talking about video games. Yeah! Welcome to the Donkey Kong Artist Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Patrick Shanley, and joining me as always is my two co-hosts and my dear, dear, dear friends, Edmund Arnold and Colin Codega. Let's start with you, Eddie. How are you doing this week? I'm doing fantastic this week. Black Panther's out in a week. I'm just got to get through this week so I can get to my Black Panther. So I have nothing to look forward to, or I have everything to look forward to this week. So how are you doing, Pat? I'm good. Also excited about Black Panther. Good. It's a movie for us. <laughs> for us, it's by a, us. It's a movie written for us, and it's by us. We, we've been waiting for this, haven't we, Pat? Yes, we have. Yeah, finally a black movie for Irish people everywhere. <laughs> That's what I've been waiting for, right? <laughs> and Colin, how are you? <laughs> uh, you know, I'm doing well. I uh, don't know how to follow up that one. I'm also, just FYI, I'm a little, if I'm a little bit slow today, I... Uh, Found out last night, hanging out with uh, co-workers that are engineers, they really enjoy whiskey. So if I'm a little slow today, just know it's uh, it's a, a little little sluggish from the whiskey intake. Nice. Well, Colin's an alcoholic, and I'm glad we finally aired that out. Mm-hmm. He is. I have, yes. I've been sending out letters to his family for staging an intervention. If you're listening and you would like to be a part of this, please contact me. It's open intervention. <laughs> open intervention. All are welcome. Hey, nothing like uh, just having an intervention with uh, my close friends and all the internet. Yeah, that's the way you get results. Yeah. I really thought that we might need an intervention for Eddie this week because you've been talking all about Shadow of the Colossus Remake, and I feel like we were able to drag you away from this game because you seem pretty into it. What are, you, what are your thoughts so far? It is what a remake of a video game should be, in my opinion. If you're going to remake something, like we've had, like, what about The Last of Us? Tomb Raiders, we've had those remakes that were, you know, four or five years out of the reiteration that they just pumped it out real quick. Look, it just looks shinier, right? They have built this game from the ground up. Um, I first bought Shadow of Colossus when I was a lonely seventh grader. I went into one of those, like, local trade video game stores. We have one called Game Force in Reno, next to our airport. So I remember going in there and looking at the cover. I didn't tell anyone I bought this game because it was such a weird game. I was, like, embarrassed by it. This game actually bonded me and Pat. We will talk. We might talk about it one day, but it was one of those games where it was unlike anything I've ever played before because it was basically just boss battles, right? And it was expansive. It was huge. There were no tutorials. There was nothing to handhold your way through it. It was one. It was an adult. It was a game for adults. And, and I got I got my hands on it in seventh grade, and I absolutely fell in love playing this is something unreal for me. It's taking me back to that 7th grade, my 7th grade self, and it's one of the best-looking games I've ever played in my lifetime. They have... They've kept everything that's been from the original game, just remapped it to make it look beautiful. The lighting is beautiful. The graphics are amazing. I, I just cannot speak enough about this game. It is. I, I think if you haven't played Shadow of Colossus before, you should pick it up. And I think if you grew up playing Shadow of Colossus, you should definitely pick it up, because it's just like playing something... Out of your greatest hits album. So I did play it as well, and like you mentioned, when I was younger, and I loved it. Uh, what I'm wondering is, is it worth it to me to pick something up that I already still own from my PS2 just for better graphics, or are there new? Is there new gameplay? Is there new things for people who have played the game before, or is it just a revamped version to get people they might have missed the first time? So here's my issue with it, right? So it, it feels like a revamped issue. It feels like it's just it's the same game. 
So I blew through those first two Titans in like 10 minutes because I knew exactly where they, and you know, you remember playing it the first game, Pat, mm -hmm. where you didn't know where they were. And a big part of that game was just like trying to use the light off of your sword in order to find out where exactly these Colossi were located in the map. That has been removed from me. So I'm just going exactly to where I remember them. And, the, and this game has meant so much to me that it's, it's kind of telling that I actually remember where everything is, right? So these first two I did in the first 30 minutes. So, I was going to say, that, that's pretty impressive that you're able to still remember. Like, that just kind of says how big of a game this was to you at the time. If a PlayStation 2 era game, you're able to still remember where to go. Like, that's, that's pretty crazy. Eddie, do you know yeah. both of your parents' birthdays? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know my mom's. My dad's is a toss-up. It's it's a, it's a weird twenty. It's in the twenties of June, so it's a toss-up. Yeah. But, well, yeah, maybe if they had made an awesome RPG about your parents' birthdays, you probably remember them better. I would probably remember that. But yeah. But back to your question, Pat. I don't know if you've played this game extensively like I did as a kid. If you played it multiple times, it's one of the only games that I played more than once. I don't know if this would be worth picking up unless you want to see how it would look on a PlayStation 4. One question I have for you on this, Eddie, and, I, and I've never played this game, whether it's the old school one or the PlayStation 3 remake or now the PlayStation 4 remake, but is one complaint I always heard uh, was over the control scheme and mapping. Now, is that improved at all or is it still identical to the original? It's, it's the same thing. And it, it, it still feels weird. It's, it's, but it's the same control scheme. It's the same, like, you hold R2 to hold on to, like, the monsters or hold on to, like, whatever you can grasp in the world. Similar to what Zelda, the Zelda climbing mechanic, Zelda's climbing mechanic lifted that directly from Shadow Colossus. I believe that's why Pat might like Zelda so much, because it kind of brings him back to Shadow Colossus with that climbing mechanic. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it is a clunky control scheme. I understand the complaints, but, like, with any game... As soon as you start mapping it, it, you just get used to it, right? So it's just, that's, I, that's such a bogus complaint to me when anyone complains about a control scheme. Because it's just something that you just have to replay over and over again until your brain kind of like gets used to it. And then it just becomes second nature to you. Right. I'm kind of with Eddie on that. It's uh, I understand that complaint, I guess, if you hadn't played the game. Because it can sound weird if you only played the game for like five minutes. But again, this is something you sink multiple hours into, and by the time you take down a Colossus, you are used to the way that it's done. And it's just, it becomes part of the game. It's sort of the, I don't know if I want to call it the charm of the game, but it's the way the game is played. You know, like, you get to use these controls, it's the way the game is done. I don't know if they were trying to be innovative or what they were doing when they made it, but it does work, and you do get used to it. And it's just, this game has, like, a visceral feeling to it that I can't describe. It's unlike other games. When you kill one of these things, you feel it because you spend yeah. time doing it. It is, it is a real accomplishment when you take down one of these monsters. And it's tragic. We touched on Monster Hunter a lot, and I've been killing a lot of monsters, and I've been talking about how, you know, that, how it feels and things like that. But when you kill these Colossi, it's tragic because these things have been around for centuries and centuries and centuries. And they haven't really been harming anyone. And I'm not going to be spoiling the story or anything, but if you haven't played this game, this game has one of the most simplistic but just heart-wrenching stories I've ever played in a video game if you play it from start to finish. And it's, it's just it's one of, in my, it's in my top ten, it's one of the most remarkable experiences I've ever had. And just playing it on the PlayStation 4, it just it feels fresh, but it still feels the same to me. And that's something that I haven't felt with a remake in a long time. So, Colin, you're yeah. not interested at all in picking up this game and trying it? 
No, so actually I was just about to comment. Um, I've always known you two were obsessed with it. I I think it was because I was more of a loyal Xbox gamer back in high school and college. I've, I've actually switched over to PlayStation now. It's my preferred system. I don't think I'm going to get it right away. This sounds like a game I definitely want to experience. I was watching uh, Eddie play it this morning, and when I walked by, I was just like, ooh, damn, like some of the lighting and just the overall like shadow effects, it is beautiful. It's a gorgeous game, one of the best-looking games I've ever seen, and especially on Eddie's large TV, it looked fantastic. But I'm obsessed with Monster Hunter right now, so honestly, I think I'm going to wait till it goes on sale. As soon as it goes on sale and I have a little bit more time to dive in, I will, uh, I'll, I'll for sure pick it up. There's too many video games, man. There's not enough time to play them all. Yeah, seriously. And that's the problem, and there's too many big, like, big, big video games that, you know, like we talked about in a couple episodes ago that are 100 hours, so it's really hard to really focus your time on the ones you want to play. Right, we're getting to the point where it's like movies now, where it's like there's almost a blockbuster every weekend. Uh, with games, and I'm trying to play catch-up and play them all. What I will say about Shadow Colossus and what I loved about it as a kid, there is no better... Do you have these games where it's like a rainy day game? Like, where if the weather is bad outside, you don't want to go outside. This is the perfect game to, like, sit with and, like, have a cup of tea or a cup of coffee and, like, play this game for, like, ten hours. This game is amazing. It sucks you in, and you just live in this world, and it makes you not want to go outside. I like going outside. I'm unlike Eddie in that way, whereas yeah. the sun is my friend. I don't like outside. I yeah. hate the sun outside. is good. Outside, I don't like animals. I don't like the sun. I don't like nature. I hate outside. You clearly don't but like I, animals. You spend so much time killing fictional ones. We build walls for a reason, sir. We build walls for a reason. To keep the bad things out. So that's why I always stay inside. I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but I mean, all three of us are from the Nevada area where it would snow. I really do miss those snow days where I, like, had an excuse to sit inside and, like, play a game, you know, get get warm, uh, just, like, sit there and, and game all day. Being in beautiful California, it's uh, not as many opportunities. Like, I'm looking outside, and it's February, and it's sunny and beautiful outside. So it uh, makes it a lot harder to get those long-term uh, gaming sessions you were talking about, Pat. It's sad. All this sunshine. It's awful. <laughs> I can't stand it. I was just complaining about it the other day at work, and everyone was looking at me like I was crazy. I was like, it's too warm. It gets too hot in my room when I'm playing all these video games. And they're like, why don't you go outside? And I was just like, outside is for fools. You I'm just, you hissed at them like a cat? I'm like, no, no. But you're right, Pat. No one makes better games than Team Ico to play inside, right? I mean, mm -hmm. you have Ico, you have The Last Guardian, which came out on PlayStation 4 last year, which had a lot of, another, like, a solemn feel to it. So there's nothing better than these Team Ico games to turn off your lights and play, especially when you're in a solemn mood. They're very cozy. They're cozy games. Yeah, I get a blanket, some hot cocoa, or coffee, or whatever you want to drink if you're an adult or a child. Um, and, you know, just really, really, really just dive into these games. They're just, they're absolutely fantastic. Right. If they don't use It's a Cozy Game, quote-unquote, on their uh, marketing now, I'm, I'm going to be upset, because that, that is a great description, Pat. Right, and speaking of which, I would like some money for uh, anyone who's using that, some residuals. Yeah, Give us all the monies. Yeah. We want all the monies. In America, you just jump onto whatever is popular. So I'm going to jump onto that and be like, yeah, I want that too. You know, speaking of coziness, I think there's also you know a bit of coziness in the nostalgia factor of remaking all these old games from our childhood at least. And then a little bit farther back with some of these games, like last year with the Crash Bandicoot uh, remake that came out. Or remastered, rather. Uh, what do you guys think? Do you think there's too many remakes right now? Do you think we're getting into a point where like every game seems to be being remade and we're not seeing more new ones? I'm not saying that's the case. I'm just asking your opinion on it. But I guess for me, I, um, I, I, I think we're getting such a variety of games right now that it's, a, it's the right time for it. If it was something whereas 
like let's say we were, Rockstar was pumping out a whole bunch of remakes every year and we weren't getting any new IPs, then I would be a little upset. But I mean, Team Ico just released um, The Last Guardian last year and then followed up with a remake of Shadow Colossus. So I think if you're mixing it up and if you want to, and again, we, I'm a consumer. I can't tell these developers how to run their companies. I have no right to. Um, but it, I think if you're just, if you're, able to mix it up and release these new IPs and give us new game experiences but if you want to go back to your your vault and then like you know like Disney does go back to your vault and re-release something ham it up a little bit I don't see the point of it I don't see why it's such a big deal as long as we keep getting this extreme variety of games that we've been getting yeah I mean I I think it really depends um, honestly when for the most part I think these remakes, remasters, I know there's different definitions of them. I think it's kind of a money grab. Um, it's very easier, it's easy to pay a third-party studio to go ahead and just kind of clean it up a little bit, put some glossy graphics, and then uh, pump it out. But on the other hand, you have, it's actually, uh, I believe, uh, kind of the, the, the developer setting the new standard is Bluepoint Games. They actually uh, were in the process of remaking, they actually worked on Shadow of Colossus, they worked on God of War collection. Um, they did uh, the Uncharted Nathan Drake collection, which I played through all of that. And they do a fantastic job. So I think when it's done right, it's cool. It's, it gives me an opportunity as someone who wasn't big into the PlayStation 3. When they come out with PlayStation 3 games, now I can experience that. But at the same time, there's so many good new games where I'm kind of torn on this. And Colin, you bring up a great point, especially if like these other studios like Bluepoint Games who don't really have their own IPs, um, they kind of just remake games. And I could be wrong about this. You could, you, anyone could call me out on this, but I think if you have these like smaller studios who are willing to jump in and to, like help assist remaking games with like taking things from um, Team Ico or taking things from Nintendo or taking things from Rockstar or Bioware, wherever big name studio, and helping them, you know, remake it so that we can play it again. I, I don't see the point. Like, I want a Knights of the Old Republic remake. I've been wanting one for a long time. I want that game remade from the ground up. I would love to see that. Would I take that over Anthem? <laughs> Probably. I don't have any faith in Bioware right now. I know that that Knights of the Old Republic is a great game. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm with you, Colin. I'm split. But in in most cases, I, I don't see the problem with it. I think it's weird, though, that they're remaking, like you said, a PS3-era game. I can understand these games that weren't done in HD, so they're trying to, like, revamp them with the new graphics. But to take something from, like, I don't know, less than a decade ago and then to remake it seems a little weird. Less than a decade, less than five years ago sometimes with these games. And that's crazy to me because you're just taking an HD game and making it slightly better rendering but also still in HD. That just seems like a waste to me. Like... I don't mind playing classic games, and I also think, like, some of the charm of these games is the way they looked because of how, like, the limitations or whatever the hardware was. So I like to play, instead of, like, playing an emulator, I'd rather get an actual N64, an actual Super Nintendo, and play it on that the way it was supposed to be played. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And, one like, one game to call out is, uh, you know, I would say Tomb Raider Definitive Edition. That was, like, I played that on 360, and I feel like just like a year or two later, then all of a sudden it's the, you know, they make the definitive edition for uh, Xbox One and PS4. It's a great game, but it's not that difficult to go back and play it that shortly after. So I think that's, it, it, yeah, it doesn't make sense. So I'm going to derail the conversation for a second. I'm sorry. Um, I, could, I might be mis 
misspeaking and we might have a whole bunch of nerds yelling at us over the um how dare you right now but i think we need to make a dif uh, difference between remake and remaster i believe yeah. shadow of colossus is a remaster and and that's where i'm confused because shadow of colossus seems like it's been built from the ground up but it's carrying the exact same gameplay elements and the exact same story and nothing seems to be changed so that would that be a remaster or would that be a remake? I just need clarification so, for that. So from my understanding, a remake is typically something you're using the original assets like story. You may use some of the initial like code that you use to develop. But you're actually kind of building it from the ground up. Um, and then I believe that's what it is. And then a remastering, I think, is like actually just going through and kind of polishing things up using a good chunk of the original development, I believe. I could so be wrong on that. Remastering are basically enhanced ports. So all these like ports coming out for Nintendo Switch would technically be remastered, is what we're saying then. And then a remake would be like Final Fantasy VII is a true remake because they're building everything from that game from the ground up. Right. Okay, so I think... In, re in that regard, I'm okay with remasters, or, I mean, good, I'm okay with remakes, but re remasters, they need to stop. That's that's my thing. Cause yeah, like, cause, yeah, like what you said with the Tomb Raider was, what, a five-year span between they remastered that game? And, like, Last of Us, I think it was, like, two to three years, right? Yep. And, yeah. I mean, I get I get it is giving a an opportunity for people to go back and play it. I think the key is don't hopefully developers hopefully sony and microsoft and nintendo aren't going to sit there and only try to pump out these uh remastered editions of games but at the same time like i said i think it's probably highly profitable because all you're doing is kind of touching up the audio putting a little gloss on the graphics and um i think then you can pump it out for 60 dollars. and a lot of people are gonna there's actually a good chunk of people that will rebuy the game just so they have it for the newest system. So I think profitability-wise, it's actually like a really smart business move. So that's why I think we're going to continue to see it. Yeah, that's why they're doing it right now. Because <laughs> like, it's There's little... money to be made. Yeah, little investment, lots of payoff. I also, I don't mind. You know, like, I don't... I'm not upset No one's forcing us. Yeah, no one's forcing us to go out and buy the games. Like, right, that's, exactly, that's one thing, thing to call out, too. But also, you know, as I always, always say, and I probably have said this on almost every episode... Um, you got to uh, you got to hit companies in their wallet if you don't like what they're doing. So don't buy it. And if people stop buying these, then they're going to stop making them. But people will continue to purchase. And I got to ask you, Pat, like, because you're in Hollywood, so you're the insider. Big shot. Why? So video games are honestly always trying to make themselves look become more serious, right? They all. It seems to me like they want to compete with the other, like they want to compete with video or. Uh, big budget movies they want to compete with that type of and i could be completely wrong but what would happen in hollywood if we were if they followed the same remaster remake type philosophy and we're seeing a lot of it now with jumanji's and these movies that keep coming out but i'm we're seeing a remaster game every two months what would that do to hollywood if we were seeing a remake or remaster every goddamn month well we're seeing tons and tons of remakes in hollywood particularly in television i mean they're literally remaking everything True. from the 80s and 90s right now in television but to answer that specific question it seems like something insane right like remastering a film and then re-releasing in theaters but it's not i mean they did that with the star wars films in the late 90s i'm not sure if you guys remember that and what's really yep. annoying is that now those are the only videos that we are the only versions we get to watch 
We always now have to watch The Return of the Jedi with that stupid singing alien scene in Jabba's Palace, and it makes me freaking crazy every time I watch it. Plus, the Sarlacc is all stupid looking now. It looks like a Venus flytrap. It used to be like a giant pit in the sand. Thanks, George Lucas, for ruining it. Just get extra money. <laughs> and they did this for a while. It was like a trend in the late 90s and early 2000s. And we've kind of moved away from that a little bit in um, movies, but they were also talking about re-releasing Mad Max in black and white. Like, people would pay money to go to a theater to watch the same movie in black and white. Like, what are you doing with your money? That's what you, that's what you want to spend your money on? Didn't they do it with Logan, too? Didn't yeah. they do that with Logan? They, they re-released Logan in black and white. I, it's just, it's not as rampant because it's less cost-effective, I think, in uh, okay. Hollywood. Because yeah. you have to rent out the theaters and everything as opposed to just giving it right to the consumer. But they do do it in DVD sales. They do it in a lot of different things like that. So there is a part of this in Hollywood. It's just less... Marquee. It's not as well known, and and the price point too. Uh, you know what it costs, and I think like a very watered down version of this. And this is more because movie studios have to do this um, when there is a new upgraded, like when we switch from DVD to Blu-ray. When that like whole the whole industry switched over to Blu-ray, then they go ahead and basically do a remaster of their movie, where they may go over, they may do a couple little things just to take advantage of the Blu-ray technology. But, like I said, it seems less noticeable because, also, it's only, you know, 10 to 20 bucks to go ahead and go buy that remake. Um, so I don't, or I mean that uh, remastered edition of, like, Lord of the Rings or something like that. So you see a little bit of it, but it's also, that's more of just on the uh, whole industry as a whole moving over from DVD to Blu-ray, Blu-ray to 4K. So that, that just naturally happens anyways. Hmm. So in terms of consumers, what do you think is the major difference? Because you hear, like, people that, are, that love Hollywood are always complaining, like, Hollywood is being ruined. We're not getting any original content anymore. Whereas you don't see the same outrage with video games. And you're starting to see a little bit more with people starting to complain about it. But it seems like it's more, I mean, look at Crash Bandicoot. Crash Bandicoot was a top-selling game last year. Right. Why do you think consumers are way more willing to be accepting to remasters or remakes in video game industry as opposed to Hollywood? It's twofold. A, Hollywood's a lot older than the video game industry is, so there's a lot bigger audience for it. Uh, and then B, both of these are narratives that are driven by idiots because it's just what we said earlier. If you don't want to see this thing or buy this thing, then stop buying it, moron. Like, if you stop paying them money to do these things, then they will stop making them. They're not doing this out of some interest of... There's no self-interest in this. The self-interest is that they make money. That's it. They're not fans of this IP. They'll be like, oh, I'd really love to see that, like, in HD. No, they want to make money off of it. That's why they're doing it. If you stop buying it, they'll stop releasing these stupid things. That's the oh, and I was going to say, and Eddie, you know why they haven't done a remake, a full-on remake of Knights of the Old Republic? Why? Because it's way cheaper for them to just go ahead and port what they have and put it on iOS so people can play on their iPad. And that costs a lot less, and they can also make a lot more money doing that. Yeah, that's a good point. Right. That's a good point. <clears throat> it, it's it's just, it's the difference between the two industries are always interesting to me, and it, it seems like we're getting to a point in the video game industry where we're damn near going to get we're getting what how many remasters have been announced this year that I know of. I'm looking at a page, thegamer.com. They have 16 on here, and I mean it's from Devil May Cry HD Collection. It's a Pac-Man Championship Edition, Shadow Colossus, which just released Bayonetta one and two. Uh, Super Smash Bros. is rumored to be released on Nintendo Switch. Final Fantasy NT. Dissidia. So, I mean, we're seeing a lot. So I'm wondering if that's going to end up hampering the video game industry in the next five years, or if this is end up, it's, or if it's going to be something where, like, maybe someone who's never played a 
Final Fantasy finally get a chance to play Final Fantasy? I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. I, I think that's where my questions are coming from. Well, let me ask you this, and this is the thing that always gets left out of all these conversations, and it's what drives me nuts. And I'm speaking mostly about Hollywood, but it's very similar to video games right now. We see lots of remakes in Hollywood, and there's tons and tons and tons of them, right? And everyone's getting so upset. They're like, what about original ideas? Well, let me ask you this. Every movie that's nominated right now for an Academy Award was not part of a franchise. Every uh, television show right now that is... Sorry, that's a bad way to phrase this. There are over 500 scripted television shows on television right now, which is by far the most there has ever been. And most of those are original ideas. Just because there are tons of remakes does not also mean that there are not also tons of original ideas. The same thing is happening in games. We saw it last year. There were huge franchise games, but then also really successful games that had nothing to do with any other franchise that existed. This is an open market. Anyone can make games. Anyone can make movies. It's just it's much harder to make them successful if people don't know what they are. But who are you blaming for that? I mean, uh, think about yourself personally. I know what Star Wars is when I'm going to go see a Star Wars. I hated the last Star Wars immensely, but I still saw it because it was a Star Wars movie. And I'll probably see the next one because it's a Star Wars movie. And at this point, I've dedicated my entire life to following this franchise. At the same time, I will see things that are new if they excite me enough to get me into the theater. There's that's happening in video games. That's still happening in movies. That will never stop happening. Human beings are creative. We will never get to a point where we stop making art. You're speaking gold right now. It's just, it, and I think... You Another point to be adding is it's just the social media aspect kind of hijacks everything, right? Yeah. So it kind of hijacks to the point where you only see these remastered or recollection because you only see the rage behind it. And it kind of like you forget about these new projects because no one's really – there's no anger around it. So it's not being pushed to the front, if that makes any sense. It seems like the products that are being pushed to the front that are being exposed to you or like right in front of your face are the products that people are mad about these days. And I guess that's kind of infuriating to me. I just think it comes down to people – I'm trying not to come off super cynical here, but people are stupid, and they like – That wasn't cynical at all. They go to the theaters. They, like, that's why the fact – like, hey, I enjoy the Fast and Furious movies. I've actually realized this recently. I don't like the original few because I'm not crazy into the car stuff, but now that it's crazy heist and stuff like that, I'm like, oh, okay, this is entertaining to me. But those things smash uh, box office records every time. The Minions movies series has made over a billion dollars in theaters. Like, and then if they're making all that money, our movie the our movie production companies gonna be like, hmm, should we make another Minions or or invest in some new franchise that may you know that we want to get out to people? They're gonna put money into Minions. Um, well, they're actually putting money into Super Mario, so. That might have been a bad um, analogy, but uh, is that the same studio that's making the Super Mario movie, right? Yep, they are, yep. but I mean, they're going to make another Which is minion. genius. But Minions will be in it probably, so. Oh, God, don't put that evil in the world. Yeah, so I think it's just it comes down to what makes money, and people don't go to see the Phantom Threads as much as they will go see a Minions. Like, it's just it's just they the movie industry, they know their the consumers and how consumers think. So well, they invest so much money and in research into what the viewers want to see, and sadly, it's minions. No, it's just funny how pissed off people get about this stuff when you realize that, like, you're not paying for this. Somebody, this money isn't fake. It's oh, it's had a budget of six hundred million dollars or three hundred fifty million dollars, and that sounds like pretend like monopoly money to you. It's not. Someone is paying that money, and if you don't make money off of it, that's an enormous. That's the GDP of certain countries. For a right. movie, so Ben Affleck can run around dressed up as Batman. Are you freaking crazy? 
Like, you think I'm not going to attach it to something that people know? I'm going to take a massive risk on something like The Shape of Water and give this guy $120 million? You do that because people know who Guillermo del Toro is, and you get paid off. That's it. You don't just give that to somebody you don't know. Think about that in any other thing you would ever do in your entire life, ever. It's just, it's madness to me. Would you trust a surgeon who hadn't done any other surgeries to do your LASIK surgery? No. Yeah, I don't know. It's crazy to me. Depends on where I am, though. Maybe L.A. Yeah, last time I got LASIK, it was in uh, SoCal in a van in a back alley. The guy was really nice. Well, last time you got LASIK. <laughs> I am still wearing glasses, so it really was effective. I'm addicted to it. I get it every week. <laughs> Is it LASIK like the new Botox? It's interesting how, uh, like you said, people are going to only spend money on the safest bet possible. Um, it's If you're an investor or you're you know, going to put money into a production of something, you're going to want the safe bet. You're not going to want to roll the dice very often. Or if you do roll the dice, it's because it's attached to a very well-known director or a very well-known studio. Stop getting so, uh, like, literally pissed off, like, people, like, it ruins their days, about something that at the most costs you $12 for entertainment. Or if it's television, like, it's free. You pay a cable subscription and then everything on it is free. You're not paying by show that you watch. Like, who, who gave you the right to complain about this stuff? Twitter. Yeah, pretty much. Twitter's Social the media. worst thing that ever happened to humanity. It, no, it is. I, and I really believe this. I and I too. love Twitter. Don't get me wrong. It's one of my favorite outlets, but it made people think that they are way too important. And a lot of people need to be knocked off their pedestal. There's a lot of mediocre people out there that think that they're doing life-bending work. And they're really not. So, and I, I, I know I'm, I, I'm a nihilist, so this is where this is coming from. It's just, you, nothing is that important. Like, just be entertained if you don't like it. Then just you know, live with that. You're gonna have some. You're gonna see something in the next couple of weeks that you're gonna love. So it's just it's just part of life. You're not gonna like everything, but I don't have to hear. I don't want to hear you complain about it for the next six months. Well, you will. <laughs> and, and you need to stop going after people's livelihoods because you disagreed with them. Like that. That's it's. It, we're living in a crazy world right now. It is bizarre. It's funny to me to watch somebody like Colin Trevorrow, who I don't even particularly like. But is a director, and he got kicked off of episode nine of uh, Star Wars because of how bad the book of Henry was. And people celebrated. Like people were celebrating the firing of somebody that you've never met before in your life. Well, and, and they have no idea what he was going to do on that movie. Too. Right, exactly. Like there was no context of what was being going on in the development. It was just like, oh, they, you know, creative differences. They parted ways. It's the same with sports. That's why I stopped watching sports because the fantasy started, you know, especially football fantasy started popping off and I had a conversation with someone the other day it's just like people are celebrating people's injuries or people are, are like lambasting someone because he broke his ACL and he can't play for their team anymore right so or it's just it's like people think that they have ownership over these people when no they're providing you a service like that that's it you don't have ownership over anyone and these people are way more creative than you because you're not there's a reason why you're not creating and you're consuming it you're, you're you have no talent but yet you're going after the talented for just little things and that's that's what we need to stop and if you're so pissed off that you're gonna write like a seven paragraph long diatribe on social media then go write your own movie you know like go make your own stuff who is stopping you from doing it because you don't have money go shoot your own film for no money and put it online shut up and make your own thing write your own script and there's there's no there's no excuse anymore with the access of information when it comes to movie game reviews TV show reviews uh, you know sneak peeks and stuff 
there's no reason why you should spend $60 or go to the movies and spend $12 and not kind of already know what you're getting yourself into. So if you pull the trigger and you pay for it, that's on you. Yeah. And we're not saying not critique every anything, right? Sure. You still have the right to critique everything, but we're just saying, like, I don't like the Nintendo label. I am not going to go to Nintendo and stand outside of Nintendo for six months demanding for people's jobs because I dislike the Nintendo label. I don't like the label. Guess what I'm going to do? I'm not going to buy it. That's it. That's it. So if you're unhappy about a product, don't purchase it. Capitalism 101. We go over this every week. We go over this every single week. They, people just can't, they don't understand it. And everyone's just very, like I said, the Twitter, it's just like, hey, everything's about me. It's about me, me, me. It's like, you're not that important. I feel like people just need to be told that more often. You're not important. <laughs> right. The only person whose opinion matters is mine. And me. Sure, yeah. And the very, very rich, because we have to remember we are in America. <laughs> you know, if we all just live by that one simple rule, we'd be happier. <laughs> their opinion, they can pay for laws, so therefore their opinions matter way more than ours. Oh, man. That went down a hole. You, you had to have me talk about the Sarlaccs, and I got so pissed off. No, I'd like to see you animated. That's why I kind of, I kind of, I knew this Hollywood thing was going to get you up, upset. So I had to bring it. I had to bring it up. You were providing gold for us, though, Pat. Bam! Straight gold. Though. Dropping knowledge bombs. Speaking of things that are going to piss us off, <laughs> there's been a lot of uh, mobile gaming announcements. We've talked about mobile gaming a little bit on the uh, on the show. We've actually had some mobile gaming people on the show. I yeah, think. we have. Yeah. Yeah. I don't hate it. I, it's not my thing, but. Tons of things aren't my thing, but there have been some big announcements this uh, this week. There's going to be a Street Fighter 4 mobile game, and it's like an actual game, like Garbage. Street Fighter. How do you play a f How do you play a fighting game on mobile? Poorly. What am I just like tapping my screen over and over again, getting those? Con I I don't get it. I don't get it. So if someone can explain it to me. You can email us at donkeyconartist at gmail.com or you can find us on our Twitter. Please explain, explain it to me because I don't get it. I mean, I, I think it makes total sense that companies are pivoting over to, uh, to mobile. I mean, just in China alone, 41% of the overall gaming market is just mobile. Yeah, so there's, exactly. there's a huge, there's a huge um, opportunity here. And I think uh, Western studios are starting to take note of that. And one really big part of it, I think, is that mobile, like, having in-game advertising in a console game is kind of frowned upon. Mobile, it's expected. So I think you can be a lot more nimble in putting in advertising. You can actually put in, um, you know, switch up an advertiser based on certain buckets of users. You can be like, oh, you know what? We're going to have advertising for people that are on the West Coast for, we'll, we'll connect them with this company. And we'll do X, Y, and Z. And I think there's a lot of money to be made there, and that is why you're seeing um, more companies switch over to mobile. See, and my thing is like I get, I, get, I understand everything you're saying, and I, I and I, I'm not against mobile gaming at all. I think mobile gaming is a good avenue. I think it's a good avenue for especially kids to get introduced to games. Um, I think we grew up with Game Boys. I just think the cell phone is a new Game Boy. To be honest with you, um, it's not as I, w I wouldn't want a kid playing. I would rather see a kid playing with a Game Boy or a Nintendo DS. But if if they have access to a phone, these games are like one ninety nine as opposed to thirty dollars. I mean, it, it makes sense, right? But my thing is, is like, and I, I'm a spe speaking specifically from like a video game. Why is Street Fighter coming on mobile? <laughs> like, I understand Animal Crossing. I understand Mario. I understand even Pokemon. 
but how do you, how a fighting game doesn't make sense to me. I I don't get it either. I mean, like even looking at the screenshots, like I I played like NBA 2K on my mobile phone because it was free and I just downloaded it. And it's again like you can't really play these games without a pad or buttons, you know, particularly a fighting game and not just any fighting game, but Street Fighter. So I mean, like they have the there's a joystick on the screen and there's the four buttons that you can hit. But I mean, like this is not going to be tight gameplay. I don't think that they are aiming at like the hardcore Street Fighter fans. They're aiming at very casual fans who are like, "Oh, I'll play Street Fighter on my phone on the Metro." I don't know why they sound like that. Okay. Uh, hey, see, I'll, I'll play. I'll play some PUBG on mobile. And I think that's my issue with mobile games: is the way they set up that joystick on the screen. It just never worked for me. I try to play um, Jade Empire on my mobile, and I love Jade Empire, one of my favorite games of all time. I just couldn't get that whole. Uh, like, just, like, using the, the joystick on the left side of the, the bottom left of the screen and then having your buttons mapped out on the bottom right end of the screen, and then it just, it just didn't feel good to me. I, you, I, you would need a bigger screen, but I don't know. I don't, I, I could be, I, I could be, kids might be better at this. I don't know. I mean, I, I agree with you on that, Eddie. I, I downloaded Knights of the Old Republic years back, and I probably only put 20 minutes into it because it just felt clunky, and I, I just wasn't willing to learn. I'm sure if I sat down and actually played it for a bit, it would be really easy. But, yeah, I'm just not, it's not in, I'm not into that. I think also, though, gaming experience is going to be for people that are on a commute, they are in an airport waiting for their flight to take off, and it's just very quick stuff. The three of us like long single-player experiences that, you know, you put 40, 50 hours into, that's not targeting mobile. Mobile is going to be on the go, play one match of Street Fighter for three minutes, and turn it off. And the... And, I, and you know, and I completely agree with you. And there's some good, like I like my 40-hour games on my console, but there are some good mobile games. Like I played Reigns last year. I don't know if you guys have ever played Reigns, but it's like a card base where you're making selections based on you. Like have a, you're basically the king of this country or whatever, and you have to make decisions based on. And it's, it's basically tries to track how long you stay alive for. Um, and then there's like a dark room. So there's good mobile games, but. I don't know if I want to see this trend of Street Fighter, like we talk about remasters and remakes. I don't know if I want to see a Street Fighter ported to a phone. I don't know if I want to see a Mass Effect ported to a phone. I'd want to see these more original titles like the Monument Valleys, like the Gorgoas, like the, uh, what is that game? Um, even the, the game that was blow, that blew up, um, that I never necessarily played that was on mobile. Candy Crush. Uh, Angry Birds. Um, Candy I love Crush, the Angry like Birds. That. I would like to see those type of games more, not the ports, because the ports just it just doesn't translate well to me. Well, what about this? How about I, I preface this question to you guys? Have you both looked into it all, the uh, Final Fantasy XV uh, Noctis like, Pocket Edition? Colin, why would you even ask me that question? I'm insulted that you would even say that to me. Well, I know, I know, okay. Well, hey, I know that you would know some Final Fantasy stuff, but I feel like that is kind of interesting how they do it. They actually make the graphics different. They make it more cartoony and more mobile-like, and I guess it's pretty simple and easy to use. That's kind of a different take, where they're taking the same basis of the game, but they're making a mobile-specific version where it kind of has its own charm and feel to it. I would prefer that. You know, I don't want a one-to-run translation. I want you to work with the medium that you have and to do things that seem to fit in this new medium that you're working with. That's why I think a game like you mentioned, Gora Gora, is a great one. Because it's, it's a little puzzle game that works with the medium of a cell phone. It's made for a phone. This is just like translate. Well, people like 
Street Fighter, so let's just smush it onto a phone. Yeah, and, and that's and that's what I don't like. You know what I mean? And I completely agree with you, Pat. It's when you smush it onto a phone, it just it takes away a lot from a lot of that experience, right? Uh, so that that's where I'm coming from. I'm not knocking mobile games. I think, like I said, any medium that we can bring video games to expose a wider culture or a wider amount of people to video games, let's do it. And if I have a kid who I can't pay $150, $200 for a 3DS, and I have a phone already, and I can buy these $199 games, $2 games that they can play for like, you know, 10 to 20 hours, 30 hours, play for a long time, then I, I, I'm all for it. But I just don't want to get, see the trend of our big name developers focusing time and money on smushing up their like these big games that I would see on a console in order to appease to I don't even know what type of crowd is playing these mobile games to be honest with you like the Jade Empires and all that I don't know ten year olds I guess one like, game one one like, type one type of game to call out that I think is really great on mobile and it makes a ton of sense is like Hearthstones or or Gwent like uh, for uh, Witcher Three. Those card games, actually, like, I played a little Hearthstone back in the day, and it's actually really easy to play, and, and I feel like that's a successful mobile game. It makes sense. But, yeah, these taking a full console experience and trying to smush it into a phone product is uh, definitely not going to call – it's not going to pique my interest at all in that project. I can tell you that. Right. Yeah, I, if you're going to do it, just stop. I haven't played the new Street Fighter, and I feel like we're – Maybe I'm being unduly harsh on this if I haven't even gotten my hands on it all. But don't half-ass this. If you're going to do it, then like build it for mobile and make it a mobile experience. Make it something different. Make it something that works on that medium. Don't just take something and cram it into it. Uh, don't, don't take a full console game and just smash it into your phone. Like, for a quick buck. Exactly. Yeah. Like, if well, you're going to do it, build it from the bottom. Right. The smart thing for them to do would be also, I think, if you're going to... Most people that download Street Fighter are going to be diehard Street Fighter fans, I assume, and then people that are just casually want to play a game on the train. I think the smart thing to do is to make it kind of mesh with your console experience, not make it dependent on the mobile, but also, like, you'll see, oh, if you sign into the mobile app and you and you play a game, you can get a new skin in the console version. I think that's a smart way to connect the two. Um, as long as you're not making like a barrier where it's like, oh, if you don't have this uh, mobile app downloaded, you're not going to be able to play certain things on your console, or you'll never have access to that skin um, to unlock for a, a fighter or something like that. Right. Yeah. Well, if you want to go back to like something that did it the right way, even though I thought this was kind of a crap game if you spent more than like 10 minutes playing it, but Pokemon Go. And the reason it was got so much traction is because it did something different and it played with the fact that you were playing with it on a phone. So it took the yeah. Pokemon experience and made it mobile, and it was actually mobile, and it made sense. You couldn't have played that on anything but a phone. And so the game made sense. It was a really shallow experience if you put in the actual time. Yeah. Game. But still, I mean, at least they did something different. It wasn't just like, it's Pokemon on a phone. So I right. think what, what it comes down to, what we're kind of saying here, is for mobile to catch on in our eyes as being a little bit more avid video game fans, they need the mobile industry needs to innovate more. It needs to actually come up with new ideas like Pokemon Go and then build on that. Um, because I feel like mobile games have kind of been the same thing for the last ten years. Yeah, and, Colin, you made a great point. The Final Fantasy Fifteen Pocket Edition. If you haven't gone and looked up gameplay video or anything like that, that is if you're going to remake a game or remaster a game or whatever, port a game to the cell phone. That is what you do. Because they have rebuilt Final Fantasy XV from the ground up for a mobile experience. It doesn't look like the controls 
are like that little stupid joystick thing. It looks like you're at, it's touch controls, and it looks like they just made a different experience, but it's the same Final Fantasy 15 that I fell in love with two or three years ago. So I think if this game, if a lot of people gravitate to this game, I think this might be the game that makes people realize what we can do with mobile gaming, mobile ports, and the, basically the power of mobile ports. So I'm hoping this thing does well. Plus, it's so cute. It is very cute. It is, and I'm, I'm looking at this gameplay video right now, and I wish I could download it right now, because this is, this is what I want from a mobile experience if you're going to port something. Yeah, Don't so just smush something up. Maybe we're starting to see, like, with Pokemon Go, and there's, there's definitely some um, augmented reality innovation going on in mobile. And plus, you have developers like Square Enix that's willing to go, um, or publisher, is willing to go and actually invest in building a new uh, pocket version from the ground up. I think that it's very it's very encouraging when it comes to mobile gaming in my mind. Now, when I see Street Fighter, that doesn't seem like it's anything special or anything new from what I've seen on it. Who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. But I think we need innovation, and then we also just you just need to take that time and investment to make a good product. Now, will companies be willing to invest like that? I don't know. We'll see how profitable uh, Final Fantasy 15 Pocket Edition is uh, in the long run, and maybe other developers start doing that if it's financially, uh, if there's that incentive there. Yeah, and Square Enix has a lot of money to mess around with, too. So a lot of these companies don't have money to make, like, to do things like that, so. Yeah, well, if you make awesome games like Square Enix makes all the time, then you don't have to worry about it. I, yeah, well, we all, we wish everything could be like Square Enix, right? I do. Yep. And j just to trigger your pat one last time, when's the Final Fantasy VII remake coming out? Uh, I'm banking on, I'm trying to be realistic about it, right? Because I've, like, studied the trends. <clears throat> and it seems like never is the time that it'll probably be released. <laughs> Pat, can I be honest with you? After Ugh. playing the Shadow of Colossus, like, remaster remake, I don't even know what it's called. It's like, I would wait. I would wait. And then if, if Final Fantasy VII comes out in five years, and if it feels anything like Shadow of Colossus felt for me, it would be worth it. Dude, I've been waiting. I've been waiting forever and ever and ever. We'll wait more. All right, God. Be patient. No! <laughs> and, go I back wanna. And, and go back and play Final Fantasy 7 for the 18th time or how many other times you played it. it Please, like I've Pat, only played that game 18 times. Pat, make sure, uh, I shouldn't say this because I feel like you're going to start um, sending me messages all the time, but I've been coming even closer and closer. I'm like, ooh, do I download Final Fantasy 7? I, I kind of want to jump in and play it for the first time. You've Colin, never played Final Fantasy 7? I've never played Final Fantasy 7. You call 7. yourself a gamer? Yeah, what is wrong with Final you? Final Fantasy 7. Uh, is it, sorry, is that like our... Our gateway, isn't that our gateway drug in the games? Is Final Sorry that I grew up playing Madden all the time, and I wasn't playing nerd games like you guys. If I could punch you in the face right now, I would. What is, what would be the gaming gateway drug? Well, like, for our generation. You're gonna go like Mario or something, right? Like Goldeneye? No, Mario's way too old for us. It'd probably be like Goldeneye, right? Really? Like Mario 64? Well, I'm gonna go Wave Race. Oh, Mario if you didn't 64. play Wave Race, then you're a scrub, straight up. Everyone played Wave Race at our age. 1080, I know even, Wave I know Race. I don't play games that would bring bring up Wave Race. You know what? Actually, why don't we go over this right now? I think this is an interesting question. Let's all say what was your gateway video game that got you into gaming? I know for me, Man. it was... Um, Ken Griffey Jr. Baseball on Super Nintendo. Oh, that my game, God, I love I that game. forever, and then that got me into gaming. Oh, wow, my God. Um, yeah, this is hard. So, I'm going to call out my mom here. 
she's probably going to get upset about this. I was playing games at a very, very early age. I had, like, a bunch of Fisher-Price games that would help me with my alphabet and things like that. I would not read. So my mom was a very good mother, and rather than trying to force me in front of a book, she would find other outlets for me to read. So she bought me, like, comic books or JRPGs where I had to read. You know you have to read um, comic books, right? Yeah, I know, but I would... I, I like I don't like a bunch of words coming out, out at me. It's very intimidating. Yeah, words. And I so I I was big in comic books. I was big on like those story based games. Um, so I actually my mom actually played games with me. So I my first I remember the first two games that I put a lot of time into were Bubble Bobble on Nintendo, and that was a game where you play this like little dinosaur and you would blow bubbles at the enemies and they would like get like encompassed by the bubbles and go up and blow up so, and wheel of fortune on like the i believe it was the like early edition like max systems and i used to play wheel of fortune with my mom and my sister for hours so the games so think, that got you into gaming were bubble bobble and wheel of fortune yeah because i was consistently playing nintendo genesis and if we're going to talk about games that really, really got me into gaming, 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 I, I don't know. I've been playing games my entire life, man. Yeah. I'd say Bubble Bobble is a pretty standard one. Like, you pretty much hear that game once a day. Everybody loves Bubble Bobble. And if you don't know what Bubble Bobble is, then you're a dummy. I've literally never heard of that game before. Well, then call me a dummy. You're, you're all dummies. You need to Google it right now. Bubble Bobble is off the hook. How about if... If we're all dummy, maybe you're just the dummy, and uh, we're not. Guys, this Thank is you, getting mom. too heated. Thank you, Mom, for exposing me to Bubble Bobble. Your parents just didn't love you. I think, that, I think that's the major question right now. Well, I've come to peace with that a long you. time ago. <laughs> you're a failure. Hey, also, spe special shout-out to uh, Perfect Dark on N64. That got me into shooters. Really? Not Goldeneye? Well, Goldeneye, I really love, but like that was... I would play couch co-op. Actually, yeah, Goldeneye was before, but I think I became obsessive over Perfect Dark because I could play with, with all my neighborhood friends, and we'd have four players on our big screen in my family room, and then you could have 12 bot players in there. So it was the first time you'd actually experience, like, a large-scale 16 people shooting at each other unless you went to, like, a LAN party playing, like, Marathon or Quake back in the day on PC. God, I miss local co-op more than anything else. Yeah, man, that was a day. Hey, like, Halo 1, playing that split-screen co-op was some of the most fun. Like, Eddie and me, like, I, I, we beat the whole game in one sitting, pretty much. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm saying, man. Like, you couldn't beat some of these games unless you had, like, a friend to beat it with. Yeah, absolutely. So, which uh, Final Fantasy got you in the games, Pat? You know, I'm trying to... The first one I actually played was 10. Is Final Fantasy the actual games that got you in the gaming, or were they God of War, or what? No, I'm, I'm earlier than that, because I had older siblings. So, I mean, like, I played on the oh, NES. That's right. Um... But I guess, like, the first thing, the first real game I remember playing, like, significantly was Super Mario Kart on the SNES with oh, my sister. Oh, yeah. And I must have been five or four years old. And that's when I really played, like, a lot. And then when the N64 came out, the N64 was, like, my system. The first one that was, like, mine, you know? Mm -hmm. I guess the PS2 was, like, the first one that I only played by myself because my brother was out of the house. But the N64 is when I really started to, like, game. I think the 64 is kind of like what broke all of our video game cherries, right? Well, because, well, yeah, it like, came out in 95, 96. So yeah, been, and like, I think the first game that I put hours, hours, hours into was Harvest Moon 64. So, actually, if I really want to think about it, that's probably the game that got me in the games because I would come home and just play that game until, like, 
I remember getting grounded from that game because my mom would come in at like 2 o'clock in the morning and be like, what are you doing? I'm like, farming, mom. You were such so, a nerd. Oh, my God. Dude, Harvest Moon 64, I'm such a nerd. Yeah, Colin's saying like Ken Griffey Jr. baseball, like a man would say, and you're like, Harvest Moon. I mean, I played the NFL 2Ks. I played all those games, but like, and you know, I used to put hours in the sports games, build, rebuild <laughs> your fantasy, or rebuild your franchises. I, I still think that the college basketball game... Is one of the greatest games of all time. I think NCAA college basketball. Hoops. Are you college talking hoops. about college college hoops two K like five? Yeah, we just, last I would just rebuild Nevada, and that was like yes hours into that. So that, you know, I like sports games, but yeah, Harvestman sixty four was just you know that was the game. How are you going to top Harvestman? How you, how are you going to top that? I could wear Actually, my hat backwards. Come on. Now. Another obscure game I was really into that I got grounded from was I used to play on SNES uh, Biker Mike, Biker Mice from Mars. What? You guys remember that cartoon? Kind of, actually. Now you mention it. No. Biker, yeah, Biker Mice from Mars. And I bet you, Eddie, if you looked it up right now, you would remember this show. I remember the game. I had this game, actually. Oh no! And it's like racing on motorcycles. Yes, yeah. Oh my I god! Yeah, I totally play that game this. all the time. We could seriously like talk. I feel like sometime we should do like a nostalgia cast, like where we just talk about like each system and what our favorite games are. Because it's interesting. I listen to a lot of uh, video game podcasts, and people that are kind of a generation above us that have been in the industry a little bit long uh, for a long time, they actually look back at the N64 and say it's a terrible system. Cause, but for what? us, it was like our first system. Yeah, a lot of people actually talk trash about the N64 in hindsight. Well, uh, because a lot of the games are clunky. And I don't think there's a lot of podcasts or... Because, you know, everyone in our generation, they just do those YouTube videos where they do those, like, let's play videos where they're screaming like this, or whatever. So I don't think you get... Our generation's like missing, missing from the podcast where we talk about like the games we grew up with. I feel like you hear a lot of like people in their forties and fifties that grew up in like the golden age of Nintendo. And that's all they talk about, and then they kind of like gloss over like the Nintendo sixty four, the PlayStation era, and it kind of makes me upset because we had a lot of good stuff come out during that time. Like uh, our Grain of Time came out. It's like one of the greatest yeah. games of all time. That came out on the sixty four. Banjo Kazooie came out on the sixty four. Like we had a lot of great games, and I think. A lot of these older, grumpy people just kind of, in the same way that I shit on the Labo, kind of shit on our generation. I, and I think it's unfair. I think Nintendo 64 gets a lot of flack. I will fight somebody in real life if they say anything bad about the N64. It's one of the greatest systems ever made. Beaten only really by far. the Dreamcast. I wouldn't go that far. Well, um, you're wrong. But it looks, so. it looks so cool. I remember oh, I had like the see-through green N64 yes, dude. with the oh controllers my God. and stuff. Oh, it was so cool. Remember the gold Zelda cartridge? Oh. oh, yes. The cartridges, like, and that was the cool part, I feel like, is it was less like CD boxes, obviously, because it was the cartridge. And I just love being able to stack my cartridges how I want. Like, yeah, I man. used to, like, order them alphabetically or based on what I was playing. Um, yeah, the N64 was a lot of fun. It, it was. It was, and it had a lot Rumble of, like, pack. gems on there. The Rumble Packs. You guys, did you guys ever play, um, what was that game? I can't remember it. It was, like, the guy with the purple hair. He was, had, like, a spiky, it was, like, a Japanese release. Um, Goldman's Great Adventure. Do you guys, did you guys ever play that? What are okay. these games? So, like, they had a lot of, game, like, niche games that came out for the 64, and I think of a lot of people, like, Mischief Makers. I don't know if anyone played that either. Yep. There were, like, a lot of, like, niche games that came out for the 64 that a lot of people just sleep on. Um, I just I think that the 64 doesn't get the 
is, I don't think it gets the recognition that it really deserves. Well, it does here. It was a simpler time. It was a better time. It was a Nintendo time. But nothing beats the Dreamcast. We can all agree on that. That I will. I, n- I never owned a, gr- a Dreamcast. Well, Colin, you're a big oh stupid idiot. You son stupid. <laughs> Unfortunately, we're running out of time today, so we're going to have to wrap yeah. it up. <laughs> All right, well, you I want to remember that one. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> member. Member. I member. Uh, anyway, as always, thank you very much for listening, everybody who has found us. Uh, if you have not, please share and follow us. We are on the Twitters. We are on SoundCloud. We are on our website at DonkeyConArtist.com, which is just getting off the ground. We'll have a lot more content on there. Uh, please share as much as possible if you like us. And if you don't like us, well, why? What's, what did we do? Pat, do we still have the Dragon Ball Fighter Z? Or fighters. Yes, we fighters. do. We do. Um, so, seriously, let, us, let us know your favorite video game. Let us know your favorite system. Just tweet us. Donkey Kong Artist. Find us. D O N K E Y C O N A R T I S T S. Look at mom, I can spell. Come tweet at us. Let us know your favorite video game. Let us know your favorite your favorite era. Just first person, person that likes, that I like the most, that all three of us like the most, we'll send you this game. Yeah. All right, well, thank you very much, everybody. We love you. Love you. Find love us on Twitter. All. Email us. Let us know if you have comments, questions, or concerns. We love you. Goodbye. Bye.